2: Jets pod is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen here at One Jets Drive. Joined by the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks, Anthony Beck, who still is doing Jets content as an analyst. But let's start right there. XFL year one. How much do you enjoy it, brother?
3: Man, it was a blast. You know, I, I think for me, you build something from the ground up with your players and staff. You go through training camp, and you're really not sure what you have until you get out there. And there was a lot of anticipation, a lot of nerves and anxiety for me, first time head coach, trying to do everything right, trying to get guys prepared for the first time. And then uh, we had an outstanding season, man. Seven and three, kind of got snubbed from the playoffs with the rules and and whatnot. But uh, we were definitely a playoff team. But you know, we had some opportunities at the end to, to seal our, our fate and get in, but we didn't quite get over that hump. But just extremely talented football team. We really did a nice job of finding really good players to fill our roster. Uh, not just our roster, but we, we had about 10 other players we released that actually played for other teams. So just really good just finding uh, the right player too. You know, not only were they good players, they were good people, high character, you know, minimal issues throughout the season but we had our standard um, you know, things that came up, popped up throughout the year. But other than that, man, the experience with the XFL did ownership top to bottom, first class, really didn't know what to expect, but I knew obviously with Danny Garcia, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and, and uh, the Redbird Capital Group that they were really about the players. And from top to bottom, where we stay, where we practice, the food we ate every day, how we traveled on the road, Just really A-plus across the board. Really impressed on, you know, how they did uh, and really set that up for our staff and our players. So our players had a great environment. Um, We were able to build something fairly quickly. It's another thing, too, just trying to get a culture build in 40 days of training camp. You know, these guys never met each other, never been around each other, haven't been coached by our guys, didn't know me. So uh, just really all in all, from top to bottom, a great process. And I loved it, man. I immersed myself in every possible detail angle situation that I possibly could. And, um, you know, put that time in every day that we're there as if I was coaching an NFL team. Right. So uh, just grind it for, you know, four and a half, five months and just loved it. Loved waking up early, loved going to bed late, you know, working with the staff, the players, and uh, really ended up being a super successful season for 2023.
2: One of the four aces in the Jets 2000 draft class, of course, you played more than, 10 years in the National Football League. At what point did you get the itch for coaching? When did that bug enter your body?
3: You know, after I took a year off after my last season in 2011, I really put a lot of options out on the table. You know, I was really brought into a lot of the teams that I played for in the back end of my career to really add to the leadership of the locker room, the tight end room, uh, add to the group the experience, the knowledge. And help the coach that was actually in the in the tight end room as well. You know, um, those were things that I just grew to love. I loved helping players. I loved helping you know guys come together, uh, understand not only the tight end position but also galvanize a locker room. And and those things happened a lot later in my career when I was you know that veteran type of player. After I was done, you know, it was media, it was coaching, there was my family, my kids, a lot of different things there that kind of pointed me into a different direction. I was still able to coach in a smaller level. Uh, NFLP agent, collegiate all-star games, I did those. Those were great, kind of kept my toes in the water a little bit. I trained some of the top tight ends coming out of the draft for, you know, over that stretch of time from 2012 on uh, and, and really started it towards the end of, or at least most recently, last couple of years, get involved in coaching, went out in the AAF, did that full-time in that spring league in San Diego and coach Martz Really helped propel me, kind of like pushing me out of the media side and say, listen, man, you got too much knowledge, too much there to give back to players. You know, you need to be coaching in some capacity. So that was a great start for me from a full time standpoint. And then obviously, when this opportunity with the XFL came about uh, and my kids now in college, um, been able to do a lot of other things, this was the right time for me. And, uh, you know, calling games for 10 years with ESPN in the college landscape, NFL landscape, working with the Jets, all different uh, types of capacities. That really kind of helped me understand the game, the player a little bit more from the college standpoint and currently what the league is doing. And for me, just okay I've learned so much from different organizations, from coaches, from other leaders and players I've been around. Now it's okay. how can I put that together and also now do it the way I want to do it? So I'm very fortunate to get the head coaching opportunity. Uh, worked my way, sold a vision to the XFL, and then once I got in, man, I was all in. I was ready to go. It was perfect timing for me. And and uh, right now, I love what I'm doing. Man, it's a great space for me. And like I said, to this this is a space where players want the knowledge. They have chips chips on their shoulders, and they're this close uh, to getting to the to the goal that they want to reach, whether that's the NFL whether that's just continuing to play football at a professional level, whatever that may be, it's my job to fill all those holes, and I think this is the best space for it.
2: You were all in. You dove in to the deep waters. After that last game, you guys finished 7-3. to You go to the podium, and all the emotions overcame you. Can you talk about that, that experience, You finish up that first regular season and all those experiences that you guys had coming to a conclusion. What was that like for you?
3: You know, honestly, that scenario was interesting because, you know, we're in a game where we had to score a ton of points. We couldn't give up a lot of points. We were doing some things that were really unorthodox, right? You had the game in hand by the third quarter, but you still have to push your players and you're trying to score more. And it just kind of hit me, man. I've been in their shoes. I know how hard it is to play the game. At the level you have to play it, what your body has gone through, what these guys have gone through for ten weeks of the season in the training room, trying to be available for me every single week, playing through injuries, uh, going through training camp, and to have to go into that game and try to do more than you normally would have to, it was emotional for me because I understand those those levels that you push your body to, and it just you know I was just so appreciative of what the players had done. Uh, Not only in that game, but up to that point, you know, they really bought into what I was, you know, really selling for them and and what I was trying to push them to. And every single week they gave it my all. And it just kind of hit me a little bit on just what we had to do in that final game, the limits that they pushed themselves. And I just was deeply, you know, uh, had a lot of gratitude for what they had done up to that point, being that, you know, that game was in hand into the early third quarter. And they had to keep pushing themselves and pushing themselves. It was great for the fans to see. It was exciting. We had some great plays. But, you know, also knowing that, man, these guys, you know, guys had hamstrings, knees, you know, uh, all kinds of different things. You know, lower backs, elbows, hands, thumbs, fingers. I mean, just, uh, you know, where you really could have pulled back in that opportunity. We had to push forward and they did it without any excuse, without any, uh, you know, sideways looking at me and they and they really finished the season strong. so it was just more of a emotion towards the gratitude of the players.
2: How about the gratitude for the fans, man? Uh, <laughs> St.
3: Louis was rocking. you guys they, had the best attendance in the XFL. They killed it, really you know and I tried to immerse myself with the fan base early on. you know, we didn't have a team when I was hired last February. Um, you know, so I had to do a lot of the legwork interactions. I tried to touch as many fans on social media as possible, just, you know, trying to do different things in the market when I went up there probably four or five times prior to the season starting. And uh, I just promised, I said, look, I needed them to show up every week. I needed as many fans as possible where I wanted them to break the uh, spring attendance records every single week. And I promised them that in return, I'd give them a good product. I just believed in what we had from a player standpoint. I believed in what we could build, and I believed in the vision that I had. And even though there was probably not a lot of clarity on what it would be, game one, I just knew if we did the did it the right way, found the right players, that we, we could give these fans not only just football, but give them a winning product, give them something, you know, to show up and cheer for every single week, and give them the opportunity to see a team push their way and try to get to the goal of winning a championship, and we were able to do that. But they showed up. They showed out. I think we broke the attendance record. Uh, I think we had the five highest attendance rated crowds in our five home games in five straight consecutive weeks. Um, But, man, they were awesome. Face paint, uh, outfits, T-shirts, shoulder pads, helmets, swords, hawk feathers. I mean, they lined up before the game's entrance into into the dome for us, waited for us, came early. And uh, they were great on third down, man. I really pushed the envelope. I wanted that place to be a difference maker. And it was great for our players because, you know, Eric, like it's one thing to play the game, to push and do things at the professional level to try to continue to enhance your game, but also under the pressures and constraints of a crowd noise of scenarios and situations where the noise and the crowd mattered, especially when you had guys on defense trying to communicate the crowds loud. They're trying to, you know, make it hard for the offense. If you're able to play under those constraints as well, that's almost as realistic as playing in the NFL. And that's what those guys need as well. So I'm just very thankful for the fan base coming out every single week and supporting our team and just glad we're able to give them a winner year one.
2: What can you tell us about your relationship with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson? Because if anybody's following you on social media, The Rock was all over what St. Louis was doing. And of course – his involvement in XFL is well-known. That's widely publicized. But uh, it seemed like you guys had quite a few back and forths throughout the year.
3: We did. He's so passionate about what this league is, what it's about. You know, He was selling the entire time, You know, that 54 number. He was that guy that was on the outskirts, that needed that opportunity, that needed that league to really help him get to the draft and get to the NFL. He wasn't able to get drafted. He wasn't able to get that chance. Uh, Went to the Canadian League, wasn't quite the developmental league that he was looking for. And, you know, look, it worked out for him, obviously, and and what he's doing now. But he's really passionate about helping these players, allowing them, give them uh, that opportunity to kind of pursue themselves. I mean, this is kind of a per, You know, you'd be surprised how many guys are in this kind of purgatory between college and NFL that have either gotten a chance, gotten there, was invited, practiced, made a couple years still have it, but yet can't latch on because their skills haven't been able to continue to develop because they haven't been able to play more. They just, they're there, but, you know, they didn't get that opportunity to to continue to show and shine. And this is what this league is for. You're talking about thousands of players that went to showcases that tried to reach out to me on uh social media, just any way possible to try to get a chance. And you're evaluating, you're trying to pick 51 players to be on your roster. It's incredibly hard. And you know, our league was able to, you know, allow 400 plus players to kind of continue their dream and show that they can, you know, play at a high level, play at a higher level. And we're seeing that now in the back end, guys getting signed, invited to mini camps. You guys had a few players. I mean, just really a unique opportunity for these players to really get their shot after they worked so hard and continued to get it through our you know company and XFL and our league. Uh, you know, Dwayne just really did a great job pushing that envelope for them and speaking to them personally. We all came together in training camp and all the ownership was there. And then, of course, the legwork of Danny Garcia, the first female. Uh, she's a woman of football, right? She's our commissioner. She's our, she's our leader, our chairwoman. And uh, she did a great job of just putting together what needed to be there and showing up and being there for the fans and the players at the stadiums, at the games, at the practices and uh, really developing a league that can help these guys shine and pursue their dreams.
2: What was your mindset as a head coach? you taking taken on this role for the first time in a new league. How did you go about connecting with the guys, but also what kind of personality do you think your team took on to the field that kind of embodied everything that you wanted them to have?
3: You know, I, I just only knew one way as a player how to do it. Head down, lunch pail, blue collar, fight, be, be available, be accountable, uh, you know, the discipline it takes to play four quarters, uh, minimizing mistakes and making sure the mental side was, was as clear and, 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 and really the ability for them to, to push through adversity uh, and come out on the other side in a positive way. Um, number one, I, I had to gain my players' trust. Um, and that, that encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses, okay, what we're doing on the practice field, why we're doing it, you know, why we're tackling today, you know, we don't have a lot of time to do these things. Why are these things important? But also from a personal level, understanding that every player, when I sit and talk to them in front of a large space in our, in our team meeting, that they're not going to really, some guys are going to take in things differently. It may work for them. It may not. But when we break it down on the field and I get to know these guys understanding who they are, why they're playing, what their why is, and what pushes them. Some guys you can they want to get it you know they want to want you to get in their back backside right every single day in practice. they want to push you to limit. Some guys, you got to pull them to the side and talk to them, you know I mean look you can't coddle every player, but you got to be able to deliver the message properly so you get the most out of it from each and every player. And then also the mental side uh the mental wealth and well-being of these players i really kept my door open for them because i wanted clarity for them and i I wanted to offer help if i could in any way possible form because a lot of these guys aren't coming from riches a lot of these guys aren't coming from situations that are great you know we're paying our guys really good for four months they make really decent money for that four month span but kids family friends girlfriends wives they're living together they're roomating you know 26 year old guys have roommates i mean it's You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it as you're striving to reach your goal that some of them may never reach, quite frankly. So, you know, just for those guys to understand, they can come to me and they're going to get that same guy every single day. So got to be able to push their buttons, push the envelope for them and get the most out of them on a day to day basis. Totally be engaged with that. But also it can't be coach speak every day. You have to be able to connect with your guys. And I tried my best to do that. And, and ultimately, when we got to the field in Game One, we saw guys that were present in the moment, that were you know prepared to what to do the obstacles that were ahead of them, to fight through for four quarters, to play with that hustle, to 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 be you know properly. I guess you know don't go out there and be unsportsmanlike to to stay away from those kind of uh, those penalties that really hurt our team and to really you know play with the passion and understand that every week means something and it's big and it's the resume and just you got to stay on them in this league and i'd say for coach sala to in a professional ranks with the generation that you're dealing with now your message the way you teach things has to be constant every single week and day you have to be made you have to make sure you're pushing and continually saying and pushing the same thing sometimes almost because it's gotta be ingrained in them on a day-to-day basis. If you explain something, you go through something, you teach something and you assume they're gonna pick it up or you assume they're gonna learn it a certain way that, and then that's it, it's done, is it really naive for you as a coach and a leader, a man of leadership to think that way? Because unfortunately in the generation we in, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things now that are out there that aren't quite as concise as maybe when I played, you know, just a, two decades ago, that, which isn't that long, But it was a different time we didn't have those things so uh doing all those things in a short amount of time you know trying to just be strategic with it was my plan and ultimately it it really comes down to can you win and lose you know how your win and your performance come down to it we were able to do a really good job of it so I'll go back I'll critique myself My everybody gets assessed players coaches and uh again try to make it better for 2024
2: win percentage of seventy 70s, not too bad in year one. You mentioned Robert Sala there. We've worked quite a few Jets game days together over the past few years. What was your reaction when you heard that not only did Aaron Rodgers want to play in the National Football League this season, but he wanted to play for the Jets?
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: It's unbelievable. Unbelievable for the organization. Um... You know, we looked at this thing, Eric, and we watched these young players come in the last couple of years with Coach Sala and Joe Douglas and what their plan was year one, year two, and now with this year three uh, to add that piece, that golden piece at the quarterback position. This isn't disrespectful to Zach Wilson or anyone else that's on the roster. When you get a chance to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a guy that can arguably can take you to a championship with the pieces you have around you immediately, that's that's just, it's monstrous. And uh, you got a lot of young, good, talented players that play the game for the right reasons, that go out there and work hard, have great character, and are really mature above their years. And you have all these pieces now where you feel like you can make that push. What's that last piece of the puzzle? Um, you know, I think any team in the league, regardless of their quarterback they have, would love to have an Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think he's got a lot of football left. He seems very passionate about you know, making this decision, pushing forward and making the most of it. And he believes he can win. I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, New York, great market. Sounds great. But, man, like, I'm not – I got all the notoriety. I have all the the money, all these things. I got to go somewhere where I can win. And I'm sure he had other options and places to look at. And when he looked at this roster top to bottom, he looked at the coaching staff, Robert Sala, you know, Nathaniel Hackett who comes in as the, uh, uh, the coordinator. He'd be able to really plug yourself in and be another coach on the field. I mean, that reciprocally for me, as I look at A.J. McCarron, similar, understands our system, knows what Bruce Gretkowski, the plays. I mean, immediately can jump in now. He can be like a, an additional O.C. for your players and play at a high level. And now he just has to go out and perform. And we all know that he's done that at a very high level for, for his entire career. And, you know, we've seen players like Tom Brady and some of these uh, players play longer in their career, high, the way the rules are set up. This is great, man. This is going to be a phenomenal season. Um, you know, look, there's there's a lot of pressure that comes with it too, not for him, but for everyone else to perform at that level, uh, to be able to go out there now and and turn that switch on and 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 think of yourself as one of the better teams in the NFL and do that week to week. You know that for the coaching staff the same way. Robert Sala, that this is a team now that has to make that huge jump. Right, it's not just getting to the playoffs. You know, to me, it's pushing forward, winning a playoff game, getting to that goal of potentially winning a Super Bowl. But man, that piece that's there now, uh, I can't wait to see it. I mean, this 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 might be the most defining moment in, in in Jets history as far as when you talk about the leadership and the player at that position where it's been the last two, three, four decades all the way back to Joe Namath. This is pretty incredible. So uh, it's a special time. And you pray for all those other pieces to be healthy and get through the season. And if you had that man and the pieces that Joe Douglas has continued to put on this football team, it's uh, it's it's unprecedented where we are in, in the organization and the era for the Jets.
2: You played uh, in between the white lines at 39, and Rogers is going to turn 40 in December. What is he right now? What does he physically bring to the field at this point? And you just mentioned it. It's not like Rodgers is the only piece here, but Woody Johnson said at the beginning of the offseason, quarterback's been the missing piece. So you find that missing piece. What does Rodgers have to be for the Jets?
3: The same guy he's been his entire career. You know, the fact that he's there now, like currently as we speak, is, is great. He gets that, right? He knows the importance of it. He's not a guy that's going to be sticking around in past years. He's going to train himself. He's going to get to where he needs to be and prepare himself for the season. So the fact that he's... He understands that there's not that, you know, that that sense of you know, self uh, selfishness that, OK, yeah, I'm there. I get it. I know the offense. I don't have to be. He knows he's got to build a rapport with receivers, with the linemen, with all these guys uh, to really build something. So it works quickly. That That's the goal. Week one, you need to come out the gate firing. And it's not an easy schedule, man. This, this is a schedule early on that's going to be, you know, it's going to test the the, the, the fortitude of this team because, um you know if you want to get where you want to be and you and you you want to get to those goals you got to beat those teams you got to play those teams and they're going to get that chance this year so um you know he's going to be prepared i I think that's the number one thing the fact that he's there leads me to believe that he is going to have himself ready to go and then ultimately can he help prepare and get everybody else around him ready is it his responsibility no but it's his responsibility to build that camaraderie to build that team. And that's the quarterback's job, that he he knows that. That's what he did in Green Bay for all these years. And that's why those players loved playing with him. Linemen, running backs, tight ends. They loved playing with Aaron Rodgers. And now he's gotta kinda do that over again. And I think the best thing about it is he did it away in Green Bay that maybe, okay, he thought was a good way. He kinda tried to do things, but now he uses those experiences and now comes here fresh where nobody really knows with a couple players that have been around him, obviously, like Lazard and and Randall to really build something and, and do it the way that he wants it so that everybody's on the same page. And I think that starts with play calling, the play caller, all that stuff is in line. And I just think you play a little harder, OK, if you're a lineman, a tight end. I remember, you know, when I used to block for Curtis Martin. You know you hall of fame back you just you didn't want to let that man down right because you saw he played through injury i i saw the things that he did on a day-to-day basis and it just took rep- personal responsibility for me to go out there and be great for him as best or be as great as i could be in that moment and i think that's what the linemen and guys like that will feel a sense of i got to protect this guy i got to catch this ball if i'm a tight end I'm, if i'm a running back i got to get these yards i got to pass protect Because he earns that respect. I saw that in Tampa with Tom Brady. Same kind of situation. Guys stepped up their game. He he was barely sacked. They protected him. And he went out there and did his thing at a high level. So this is really an interesting time. And I just think that those are the things that I'm interested to see, how that grows and develops and how guys strain a little more. Not that they weren't in the past. Not that they weren't playing 100%. But sometimes in your mind, mentally, you just push it to the next envelope. Because you want to be great around a guy that's as great as Aaron Rodgers.
2: Do you see the parallels there with Brady? Brady had that illustrious 20 year run essentially with New England. Then he comes to Tampa that first year, where the most significant difference, I would say, AB, the way I look at it is you just mentioned it is that Aaron Rodgers is coming to a place where he's already got familiarity with the coordinator. Like, he loves Nathaniel Hackett. Those guys have an established relationship, and you said he could be an extension of the coaching staff and essentially another coach on the field where Brady goes to a very talented Tampa roster, but he and Bruce Arians had to come together and figure out that system over time.
3: Yeah, no that that's that was big. I mean, he, he he talked about that being a foreign language when he came in there and learning the system. A lot of the things are the same, but the terminologies that was challenging for him. And ultimately, that 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 was that slow start that they had that first year. Now they were able to pick it up on the back end and it clicked. But because you got a guy like Tom Brady that can handle that, but it's really it's it's going to be easy for Nathaniel. It's going to be easy for Aaron, obviously, because they know it because of there's youth in this team. Really good youth, talented youth that they're going to have to pick up a new system, you know, like Brees Hall and and, and Garrett Wilson. You know, there's going to be some similarities, but terminologies are different. Wordings are different. So you have to re, re-go through that process. And they picked it up great last year, which was great. But now they're going to have to do it again. And I just see those guys excelling. I know guys like Brees Hall. I know what he's about. He's going to be a better player than he was last year. Garrett Wilson, you watch him play. Multiple quarterbacks, the numbers he put up. Now he's got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, like, I just, to me, a sky is the limit on how good he can be. There were more proven, talented players around Brady in Tampa than there are with the Jets. But don't misconstrue that as not as talented because they do have the talent. And then defensively, the pieces were there to really hold teams when you got those leads and, and, and really do some good things on the defensive side, which is good. The fact you have a defensive coach head coach that now okay all those efforts those things and we saw from last year how well they they played throughout the season and improved from the year before those things are going to you know be even bigger now and helpful in my in my opinion because if you get now where you become a team that's a little more offensive and you put up points the way the other team plays against you is a little bit more riskier Uh, if you can get those leads now it's reversed so now that that's a positive for the defense and I think that can allow them to be even better than they were. So uh, the growth and the development of the system of everybody learning it outside of the quarterback is going to be really something that's important. And that's why Aaron's there right now. Right. So that's that extra guy. And it's, it's going to be vitally important for the skill players, the running backs and the line to really get on this quickly. And they will because that's their job. This is how you do it. I mean, it can, it's easily done. OTAs, all this stuff is there for them to get it so when they hit training camp, they can hit the ground running. Uh, but again, it's nice to know that your quarterback and your OC will be on the same page, have a good feel, and those things will mesh well. And now it's just coordinating, okay, how do you utilize the talent within the system that Nathaniel Hackett's running so you can maximize the play from the the people that are on the field.
2: So your son Rocco plays quarterback at Iowa State for Matt Campbell. I got to imagine that you guys had big smiles on your faces for a second consecutive draft weekend because Brees Hall, after the Jets' selection of Will McDonald with the 15th pick in this year's first round, said the New York Cyclones because the Jets not only draft Hall last year and he was fantastic in his first seven games, but they sign Alan Lazard in free agency, a former yeah. Cyclone, and then they come back in the first round with Will McDonald. What do you think?
3: Really awesome, you know. Rocco got the throw to Allen a couple times when he came back to the facility, uh, you know, in the off season. Um, just great, man. Brees Hall, they still stay in touch. Brees Hall is just an incredible player. Um, just a home run hit, man. He just, uh, he's big time. I knew he would be better in the league. I mean, for what it was it, five six games that he played, he was the best back in the NFL, arguably, right? Yards from scrimmage, everything he did, and uh, he was the, the the component for this team. Uh, when he comes back, he's healthy. That's huge. And then Will McDonald obviously got to watch every snap of him last year, going to all the games. Um, extremely talented player. Um, elite pass rusher. The dude's got a, a major chip on his shoulder. Um, you know, you guys will document the stories. He's come from nothing, man. This kid is as humble as it gets, works his butt off. And I mean, probably a little bit misused at Iowa State because of the defensive structure that they have. Yeah, they were saying, little, had
2: it up on a tackle last year, yeah, Ron, and, huh?
3: Yeah, and, you know, I didn't love that, but I get it. That, that's where they were. He's just not, you know, that body type hurt that, right? But he was still effective. But, again, cranking him outside now, putting him on an island with somebody, it just it's going to be fun to watch because, for him, I, I think it's going to add a layer of his game that he hasn't been able to really show as much, um, you know, being out there every single time now. And, you know, he's probably not going to be used much in that run-stopping game. And, you know, it's a passing league. So he's going to be used in a lot of those scenarios. I think, you know, he could easily be a double-digit guy year one. I just I just see it. And, um, you know, um, again, size is always a factor. But we've seen guys come into the league, uh, you know, a little bit undersized, longer guys have been able to get it done. He'll get stronger and he'll get bigger. Um, but, you know, he's always been a guy that can play. He's got an incredible motor, number one. So, you know, against the run, chasing things down, across the field, backside, outside. He's got all that now. You know, he can do that. And he's got a barrage of pass moves that, you know, with his flexibility, dip, spin, it's a little bit of a different level. You know, you're not, you don't see that every day in practice. And, you know, Carl Lawson, you know, excellent high motor guy, right? Like he goes as hard as you can possibly go. But the, the things that Will can do, you know, with his body, because he's not as big, the flexion, the dipping, the spin, the balance of staying on your feet, all those different things. That's a game changer now when you look at it. So really excited to see him. But, yeah, Iowa State ties are great, man. I love it. You know, and it, and it's the reason why my son picked the school. I mean, you know, Matt Campbell has developed players, developed men, high character, elite players. You look at every year, they're getting guys drafted at the highest level. Xavier Hutchinson got drafted this year receiver is going to be phenomenal in Houston. I think he got drafted later than he should have. I think he's going to be a really good player. He'll be a starter for them at the receiver position. So, they're putting players out and I had several of them on my team because I just know the fabric that they come from, right? So, I just know that I can count a lot of the intangible things that I need that I don't have to develop. They're going to they're going to have that and they're going to be able to just by attrition pass that on right, to the other guys that I had on my team, like Mike Rose, the linebacker, and, and uh, Hakeem Butler. These guys are going to be playing in the league next year. I know they're going to sign. They're going to do those things because those are the kind of guys that the league wants, but they still have talent. So it's great to see. You know, who knows? We'll see what the future lies with the Cyclone players moving forward. But uh, I think it's awesome, man. I, these are good players. These guys get it. And uh, they come in a little bit beyond their years, which I think helps them succeed. We saw that last year. Uh, with Brees. And, and hopefully we see that this year with Will.
2: Yeah. So AB says, Will McDonald would not be a surprise for him to come out of the gate with double digit sacks. You know, the jets are going to put him in fortuitous positions as far as the Y nine is concerned. Yeah.
3: Another thing too, like, let's go, like, put him out there. Like we need him to, to, to be involved, like ASAP, um, and, and and just put them on into, the, into the element, into the fire. You know, I, I remember John Abraham getting drafted. You know, he was more of a situational guy early in his career, but hey, let's go. Like, let's play him. Let's get this guy to learn and understand the tempo, the play of what it takes to be a, a premier pass rusher going against the very best tackles in the league every single week and let him get those reps. And even if you're sacrificing on taking a chance, in some of those second down circumstances where it may be a run or pass and you take those chances he still he he can still play the run it's just that he's got to be creative on how he attacks and gets to that back and he he's got those weapons in his in his toolbox so i want to see him on the field often as much as possible and uh, let's go because th- this team has is in dire need for a guy that can do it at his level and he needs those reps constant reps every single day Uh, and every single week uh, on Sundays.
2: What do you think about the arms race? What is, which is the AFC East? The Bills have won the last three division championships. You got Miami who made the playoffs last season, A-B, and they were there toe-to-toe with the Bills in the postseason with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. They add Jalen Ramsey in the offseason, and Vic Fangio is their new defensive coordinator. Uh, Buffalo's made some changes to their roster. Most notably, I guess you would say, adding Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. So maybe you're going to see more two tight end sets for the Bills and Josh Allen. The Jets will host host the Buffalo Bills 22 years after 9-11, of course, on September 11th there at MetLife Stadium to open the season. You talk about the gauntlet. The Jets are going to have those first six games. And then New England is always tough as well they bring bill o'brien back to be the offensive coordinator so you figure there would be better offensively but we might be looking at a division where new england's looking up at everybody
3: yeah incredibly incredibly tough division um everybody is continuing to amp up and uh you know you'd like to see obviously the jets where they finally get those pieces in place where everybody's kind of trickling trying to find a way but this is this is how it is man Every team is trying to get to that pinnacle every single year. So this division is going to be uh, outstanding. I think the Jets should feel good about how they played against these teams in the division last year. And now the pieces that you have coming back uh, that you've added in the offseason clearly is going to take you to a level that you feel really good about. Defensively, obviously, for the Jets, that that's a huge point because they played well pretty much against everyone in the division throughout the year. So it was really getting that spark offensively. How many games did we watch, Eric? Where we just, if we just had a score here, we just had a drive here, like those things are so vitally important because of the way the defense played. All those pieces are back, so I think that's just going to be a huge difference on the field. Um, Yeah, when you look at our schedule, I think we looked at the schedule last year. You know, there was a guy out there, uh, a a former NFL guy, Brady Quinn, that talked about zero and eight or zero and nine through the because he looked at that schedule and thought it was devastating. Well, yeah, we look at the schedule this year and we say, okay, yeah. From last year, the way they play, this is tough. But we don't know how things are going to shake out. You never know how those things unfold, and and you know sometimes it's it's the teams that are playing. The Jets are in their mind. What are they thinking? Like, man, we got we got to deal with them. They're pests. They're pesky. They were pesky last year, and they they didn't have a great offense. And now they got Aaron Rodgers, and they, now things change, right? So now it's it's a different mindset on how teams think about you which is vitally important in this process as well. So Joe Douglas, his staff continues to load up, continue to get young players, establish themselves. And now you're a problem, even though your division's stronger, maybe the best division in football, and your schedule looks demanding. But you got to look at it on the flip side. Teams don't want to play you either. So you need to take advantage of those situations. And I just look at it that way. I look at the schedule. I see. I can see 11, 12. 10 to 12. I can see those things happening for this team, but one week at a time, man, they, they got to figure it out. Come out guns a blazing to start the season and get to the playoffs early. Like come out. So you, you have a, a swagger and a confidence about yourself where you're believing week two, three, four, so that when you're making that push and you get to that back end, there'll be some ups and downs guys finding the same page of speed, the tempo, but they can, they still have enough to win those games and get through it. And then bam, on the back end of the season, which we know we'll blink our eyes and we'll be there, then now you see the team that okay, this is the team we drafted. These are the players we brought in. This is where we want to be, and now we're going to make that push in year in that in that vital year now. So that that's what I see for the for the twenty twenty three season.
2: Uh, yeah, let's end here as a guy who played with the last division winner two thousand two. Jets win the division at 9-7. and You play to win the games. Uh, what do you think about the environment that is going to be at MetLife this season as far as Aaron Rodgers coming to town? You saw the Jets take those steps from 4-13 and where they embraced the youth movement. They nearly doubled that win total last year, go to 7-10. and That was a playoff team had not you – endured so many injuries and and gotten some consistent play from the quarterback position but i mean they finished with a six game losing streak ab you were seven and four as we know uh very well but now you add rogers to the equation what do you think it's going to be like as a guy who played in front of these fans and they're so hungry for a win- winner so starving for a winner what do you think the environment's going to be like at home this year
3: or is this where I make my St. Louis Battlehawks fans pitch to the Jets fans as well to get them? <laughs> Listen, that look if you're not, if you're a Jet fan, okay, and you've been upset, you've been waiting, like you talk about, or you've been a diehard that's been there every single week for the last decade, two decades, show up this year. I just, to me, it's just such a game changer. You look at some of these teams, Kansas City, Seattle, when they're at home, it is a different animal, different. Prospective players have to deal with another piece of trying to win a game. You know, you look at those stadiums filled, and and listen, Jet fans have been incredible. I, when I go to the games, I love seeing them. They're tailgating. There's so many passionate fans, but we got to get more coming back. We got to get more in those seats. We got to get more folks showing up early too. Early on's the best. The weather's great, right? So that that to me is a huge uh, a factor in it. But I just feel like, man, players really feed off that. Players know that that can help them. It it hurts opposing teams' offenses, especially in those crucial downs, man. We see it so many times every single week. If that place is rocking and rolling, every one of them seats is filled throughout, and you got these players, they will feed off that, man. And it could be a special season. You don't want to miss that, you know, if 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 I'm talking from a fan's perspective, because this could be a special year. Um, And and there's always going to be those, we'll wait and see. I'll wait till they win or – but to me, why? I mean, like if you're a true Jet fan and your schedule's open, let's go. Like show up, be there. This organization is now doing everything they can to give you the players to put a product on the field you can be proud of. The fact that they went out and got Aaron Rodgers and made that happen speaks volumes about where Woody Johnson is, Joe Douglas is, and this team is trying to be, right? They're not trying to just compete in the division. They're trying to win a championship. It's a, it's a like a legit real thing for this team now on what they have. Don't miss these year, two year, three year run that they're gonna have where it can be really special. So I can't wait to see the crowd week one. I can't wait to it, what it looks like. It's gonna be awesome. And uh, uh, it's gonna be a special season. So yeah, show up. I mean, I, the fans are, it's gonna be awesome, man. I can't wait to see that crowd and and uh, really how that's gonna be an advantage for this team this year.
2: Yeah, think about those first four games. The Bills, 9-11. Then you come back week three, the Patriots, a longtime nemesis. They got a 14-game win streak over the Jets in a regular season. I've been on record saying the streak ends there. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, A.B. But then week four, it's Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, head-to-head for the first time in their careers. And then after a week five day to Denver, the Jets come home and play the second Super Bowl participant from last year, the Philadelphia Eagles. So it is going to be a fun slate throughout. The Jets are must-see TV. The NFL knows that. That's why they put them on five times in prime time in the Black Friday game, as well. Uh, we are so happy about the success you had so far, have had so far in the XFL. The head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks. That's Anthony Beck, but he also hopefully is coming back for some analysis in 2023 of the New York Jets as well. Because, like you just mentioned, hey man, we're a must see, a must watch, and we got to have your analysis next season.
3: No doubt. You know, you mentioned the schedule. I love the schedule makers for the primetime action because that gives me some more wiggle room to get from Ames, Iowa, to where <laughs> I need to be uh, in Florin Park in the stadium. So yeah, it's it's going to be great. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Uh, it'll start off for me in the preseason, uh, calling two of the preseason games and, uh, we'll see what the, what the year looks like, but looking forward to working with you again. Thanks brother.